Welcome to Matters of Fact. I'm Christian Esguera. Today on the program, we'll go deep into China's unilateral decision to ban fishing activities for a specific period in parts of the South China Sea and the Philippine government's response to it. Yet another diplomatic protest. But is this enough? We are now joined by Gregory Poling, uh, his uh, senior fellow for Southeast Asia and director of the Asia Maritime Transparency Initiative at the Washington-based Center for Strategic and International Studies. Good morning, Greg, and thank you for joining us again on the program. Good morning. Okay, let's start with this uh, unilateral fishing ban imposed by China from May 1 to August 16 this year in parts of the South China Sea. We know that this is not new, but uh, what do you think is quite different in this latest imposition by China? Well, China is a lot more capable of enforcing it than it has been in years past. Right? This ban has been going into effect every year since 1999, and it applies to the northern half of the South China Sea. So uh, Scarborough Shoal, about Mastenlock, and the Paracels. But China's presence in, in areas other than the Paracels was mostly hypothetical until the last four or five years. As we've seen now day in and day out, there are dozens of China Coast Guard ships at places like Bajo de Massenlock and in the Spratlys and hundreds of Chinese militia boats. So what used to just be an irritant that one could dismiss as grandstanding is now much more concrete and threatening for Filipino and Vietnamese fishers. So this is something that should be taken more seriously compared to how that ban was implemented over the past several years. Yeah, on the water, there certainly needs to be a greater effort by the Philippine government, Vietnamese government, to maintain access for their own fisher folk so that they don't get pushed out. And legally, it also matters more because now if, if one doesn't actually protest the ban, China has the ability to de facto administer it. And so China will be able to say that Manila acceded to it, right? Manila, by not objecting, in essence, recognized it. And, and that's some uh, precedent that the Philippine government can't afford to set. Okay, but what exactly does that uh, uh, fishing ban mean? Meaning nobody goes there and harvests, let's say, any uh, fishing resource? In theory. In theory, it means that for three months, there is no fishing allowed by anybody north of the 12th degree of latitude, which cuts right through the middle of the South China Sea. Now, in practice, uh, as we just heard in, in the report, there continues to be Chinese uh, fishing for very high-value species like giant clam and other endangered species in places like Bao de Massenlock, and that's happened every year because that fishing is already illegal. It's illegal it, poaching of endangered species. It's illegal under Chinese domestic law. And so, of course, the same China Coast Guard that ignores that illegality the other nine months of the year is also going to ignore it for the three months of the fishing ban. So what's the real intention here? If uh, illegal poaching or illegal fishing and poaching by Chinese fishermen uh, still uh, are still ongoing despite the, the yearly ban, what is the real intention here? What is the real objective by China? There are likely a lot of marine scientists in China who would argue that this ban is necessary to stop the impending collapse of fish stocks. And the South China Sea is grossly overfished and it is devastating the marine environment. But I don't think that that's what motivates Xi Jinping and leadership in places like Hainan, who are actually in charge of the forces in, in the South China Sea. For them, this is about asserting Chinese administrative control. And so they are happy to turn a blind eye to Chinese poachers. 
the point is to assert that these are Chinese waters and stop Filipino and Vietnamese fishermen from operating in them. Okay, uh, and of course, you would still uh, we still see the presence of uh, hundreds of uh, Chinese maritime militia vessels. So, doesn't that show the the hypocrisy of this Chinese policy if its own fishermen, as part of the maritime militia, are all over the place? A lot of things show Chinese hypocrisy on this point. For many years, what's happened is that when the fishing ban goes into effect, it's open season for Chinese fishers who would usually operate around the parasails to move farther south. And mostly they operate in places like the waters off Indonesia. The militia who operate mainly in the Spratleys, I mean, one, they're outside of the ban, so they are farther south. But two, they don't fish anyway. They're on fishing boats, but they don't fish. And so nothing about this changes their behavior. Although the ones operating around Bao de Masenlok still are certainly more problematic today because now when the Philippine Coast Guard takes pictures of them and says, what are they doing here? China can't exactly claim that they're fishing because it's illegal to fish for the next three months at Bao de Masenlok under Chinese law. Mm -hmm. and, and let's talk about the consistency or inconsistency of the response of the affected countries, the literal states, for instance, Vietnam or the Philippines. In the case of the Philippines, how has the Philippines been responding to this uh, regular um, seasonal, so to speak, ban imposed by China? I don't know uh, for a fact that the DFA has issued objections every single year, but I, I would suspect that it probably has. It certainly issued formal diplomatic objections every year that I've been following these issues closely for the last decade or so, and so is Vietnam. So that's that's important. It establishes a record of non-compliance so that the Philippines need never uh, be confronted with this idea that it de facto recognized Chinese administration. But over the last five years, as I said, what's changed is that that's no longer enough. So just saying that it won't be recognized was enough when China didn't actually have Coast Guard vessels in Bajo de Masanlac enforcing it. Now they do. So now something more is needed. And the impetus is now on the PCG and BFAR and others to figure out how they can protect Filipino fisherfolk who make their living in these waters. And that's very difficult, of course, because the Chinese have a lot more boats and their boats are a lot bigger. So, so how, how do you settle this thing to make sure that uh, the Philippines won't be put again at a disadvantage? Because the main issue here is that uh, the, the, the exclusive economic zone of the Philippines is being affected by this unilateral ban by China, which is obviously illegal. So you, you mentioned that it's very difficult, but uh, what are the possibilities in terms of uh, addressing this, especially given the relations between President Duterte and, uh, and Beijing? Mm -hmm. So the only place that this probably matters to the day-to-day -day lives of fishermen from the Philippines is at Bajo de Masama, because it's the only place that is a traditional Philippine fishing ground that's actually affected by the ban. The Spratleys are not. So one thing that the PCG and BFAR could do is try to increase their own presence around the shoal in order to signal to Beijing that should it physically harass Filipino fishers, it risks provoking a crisis, a diplomatic crisis, and potentially worse with the Philippines. And there's certainly the possibility of calling on the U.S. to issue statements in support of the Philippines and make clear that should a Philippine government vessel respond to an incident in Baja de Masanlok and the Chinese use force, the Americans are prepared to invoke mutual defense treaty. All of that, of course, geared toward getting the Chinese to back off, not actually trying to pick a fight. 
yeah, and to trigger a war. But you, since you mentioned the MDT, the Mutual Defense Treaty between the Philippines and Washington, isn't it clear that uh, if something like that happens, automatically this would be activated? Because I think even during the Obama administration, this was already clarified. But of course, with the appearance of uh, former Senate President Juan Ponce Enrile in the uh, President's weekly Talk to the Nation program or show, Somehow, he put uh, a sense of uh, uncertainty regarding whether the MDT, meaning the treaty, would actually be activated. Well, Juan Ponce Enrile himself admitted that his memory is a bit selective at the moment. He seems to remember, for instance, the period from 1975 to 79 when he was helping negotiate the, mutual, uh, the military bases agreement in which the U.S. was not clear about this. He forgets all the years after 1979 when the U.S. has been quite clear about this. And, you know, we clarified it in 79, the U.S. clarified it in 1999 after uh, the grounding of the Sierra Madre Island in Shoal. And then the U.S. clarified it most recently, starting with Mike Pompeo's statement on that tarmac in Manila in 2018. And we've heard it from both Secretary Blinken and Secretary Austin over and over the last few months. So I, any ambiguity that might have existed over the application of the MDT in the Spratly Islands in 1975 has been resolved many times over. And by the way, what do you think uh, that achieved, the appearance of uh, Juan Ponce Enrile? Obviously, President Duterte called him for some sort of reinforcement in the face of all these criticisms regarding his policy toward China, in particular regarding the West Philippine Sea. But uh, what do you think that actually achieved for President Duterte? You and, and your viewers are a better place than I am to know what public opinion is at the moment in Manila. But from what I see in the press and on television and on social media, I don't think one point can really change anybody's mind. Um, I doubt he was meant to. I think he was there to tell President Duterte what President Duterte wanted to hear. And as you said, give him some support because he's not getting that support on this issue from within his own government because clearly Secretary Luxon and Secretary Lorenzana and members of the National Task Force in West Philippine Sea and the AFP brass are all in support of a tougher stance on Beijing and support for the American alliance. I think President Duterte is, is willing to let the American alliance stand begrudgingly, but he is still very, very hesitant to say anything tough about Beijing. But how do you think this, uh, this inconsistencies all these contradictory statements are affecting how China is seeing the Duterte policy regarding the West Philippine Sea, regarding the South China Sea, and in terms of how China is dealing with this administration over this issue. Like those of us in Washington, and I imagine those in Manila, I think a lot of folks in Beijing are confused and don't understand what exactly the, US, uh, the Philippine policy is regarding the West Philippine Sea at the moment. But it, it certainly gives those uh, who are arguing that the Philippines won't do anything about this, it gives them ammunition. And uh, what you see in Global Times op-eds, op-eds supported by Chinese-linked academics, all clearly revolves around this idea that President Duterte is uh, the final word on foreign policy. And so as long as he says it's okay, Beijing is safe to ignore all of the complaints coming out of other parts of the government, including from Secretary Luxon and the DFA. But isn't this a confusion that uh, ultimately redounds to the benefit of China? Yes. I mean, ev everything at this point uh, is to China's benefit. China is in greater control of the Philippine exclusive economics than with every passing day. Again, it has more votes. 
it has larger boats, and it has a clear sense of what it's trying to accomplish. Manila doesn't seem to have a clear sense of what it's trying to accomplish. And that ambiguity, the idea that the Philippines is still arguing internally with itself about what it wants to do and whether or not it should stand up for itself, every day that argument continues is a day that China is able to gain a little more control and a little more control. Isn't ambiguity or ambiguous uh, even um, very safe term to describe the the policy, whatever that is, of President Duterte himself regarding China? Or to be honest about it, it's a mess. <laughs> it is a mess. It's telling that you hear President Duterte and Juan Ponce Relay and Harry Rocky over and over say, we need to talk to China, we need to talk to China. The Philippines has been talking to China and doing nothing else for the entirety of the Duterte presidency. In fact, the Philippines and the rest of ASEAN have been talking to China about this issue since at least 1995. Talking by itself is what got Manila into this mess. And unless there's some movement to strengthen Philippine capacity and strengthen the deterrent effect of the MDT and maybe get the other uh, Southeast Asian claimants more involved, talking is a recipe for losing everything. And finally, Greg, uh, part of the debate, of course, is whether to go bilateral or multilateral. So, so far, the policy of President Duterte is to go bilateral with China. This was an experience that was uh, quite hard for the previous administration because according to those officials then, it was very difficult to deal with China on a bilateral level regarding the, uh, the South China Sea, regarding the West Philippine Sea. But this is the route that President Duterte took. But given what uh, has been happening over the past several years, do you think it's uh, wise to somehow abandon this track and uh, move multilateral? There are issues on which bilateral negotiations make sense. You know, if the Philippine Coast Guard and the China Coast Guard want to work on bridge-to-bridge communications and crisis mechanisms, that's done bilaterally fine. But the big picture, how one resolves fisheries disputes and oil and gas disputes and the overall rules of the road in the in the South China Sea, has to be done multilaterally. One, it's a multilateral dispute. It cannot be resolved without the Vietnamese and the Malaysians and others in the room. And two, doing it bilaterally just plays to China's strength. China is the massive power in the room. And the only way that the Philippines can negotiate from a position of equality, or at least something like equality, is as part of a group. Okay. Gregory Pauling, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you, Kristen. Philippine Senator Risa Ontivera slams Palace spokesman Harry Roque for his recent statement claiming that the government's COVID-19 response would bring a better Christmas for Filipinos this year and that is posing a problem to the political opposition whose bets are running in next year's election. Senator Ontivera joins us for this uh, issue. Good morning, uh, Senator, and thank you for joining us this morning. Good morning, Christian. Thank you for inviting me. Okay, what do you make of this uh statement by uh, by Secretary Harry Roque, who basically served notice to the opposition that you guys better watch out, that if this thing regarding vaccinations, regarding herd immunity is achieved, and if the Philippines um, gets or experiences a better Christmas, better be ready for the 2022 campaign and elections. Well, my goodness, Christian. That should not be the subject of uh, the uh, presidential spokesperson's warning, whether to the opposition or any other group within the country. Yung mas magaling, totoong mas magaling na pandemic response is something that they should have started delivering to the Filipino people since last year, since the start of the pandemic. 
uh, in March. At better Christmas? Ah, hindi yan usapin ng opposition or ng administration. It should be a better Christmas for the Filipino people. I don't know what great performance on the pandemic or the recession uh, secre the secretary um, is talking about because the numbers show how poorly the administration has done even in comparison to other administrations in our region on both the health uh, and the economic fronts. And the but for him to say that the timeline is Christmas, a better Christmas, my gosh, Christian, that's more than half a year away from now. Bakit hindi man lang sa, say, August 30, National Heroes Day? Okay, bakit hindi sa undas? No, this pandemic has cost us uh, so many lives. Why are they going to wait that long in order to uh, reasonably achieve those targets of full vaccination and herd immunity? Kaya lalong namumuo yung suspicion na ginagamit, dinidelay ngayon ng administrasyon at ginagamit yung vaccination program para sa 2022 campaign nila. And then now the secretary is trying to shift the attention on the opposition. Oh, wrong call. The ball is in their court. When you say somehow the, the rollout of uh, more vaccines are being used, is being used perhaps in relation to the 2022 campaign, mm -hmm. what exactly do you mean? Uh, well, are you sensing, um, of course, this is all suspicion, mm -hmm. a deliberate effort to delay this? Because if true, that would be inhumane. Really inhumane, Christian. And it started as a suspicion, but yung mga actuations ng administration so far uh, are tending to give more and more credence to that uh, suspicion about a very cynical attitude on their part. As the days go by, una na itong uh, napakabagal pa rin at uh, pachipaching uh, rollout ng vaccination program when really government should step up, uh, complete and do it well, the vaccination program for all Filipinos. I mean, the vaccination is... The vaccines are meant to save lives, not to buy votes. No? So, uh, hirap ang uh, mamamayang Pilipino, nagkakasakit, gutom. Eh bakit pamumuliti ka, pamumuliti ka pa ang patuloy na pinapakain sa kanila? That's why I called on the secretary and the administration to uh, get back to work. So, the poor performance on the one hand, tapos yung ganitong mga uh, pinagsasabi uh, would tend to give credence to that very cynical approach of government regarding its own vaccination program. Okay, I'm reviewing the uh, the quote or the mm -hmm. statement coming from uh, Secretary Roque and uh, it shows or indicates that uh, this was also in anticipation for the possibility of the opposition or likelihood that the opposition, including yourself, would use this as a main campaign issue in 2022. Is that the case? Which should no. this be front and center of the campaign? For, for instance, in your case. Mm -hmm. Well, Christian, uh, there's no need to use uh, this issue at all. It is already front and center, not just of any campaign next year, but of the reality of Filipino people's lives, even today, even since uh, a year ago. Simula pa lang ng pandemia, we called on the administration to uh, implement mass testing, contact tracing, quarantine or isolation and treatment, and now the fifth life-saving step in the overall COVID-19 response, which should be um, the vaccination. At palagay ko, Christian, hindi lang opposition, non-opposition, administration ang nakakapansin sa suffering ng Filipino people dahil sa napakahinang palpak na 
COVID-19 response ng administration. This is a concern for our health and our lives that transcends political boundaries. Kaya walang kailangang magsabi na, oh, uh, campaign issue ito or political issue lang ito. Hindi. This is a life and death issue. And in okay. any political exercise, including elections, that will already be front and center of the attention of the citizens or of the voters. At dapat lang, issue of accountability yan, issue of performance yan. Okay, two things regarding this particular issue. Number one, do you honestly think that um, the, the questionable or inadequate government response uh, to the pandemic so far is sticking to President Rodrigo Duterte that he personally is getting affected because based on the surveys, it seems it is not. And number two, do you think that this, um, this pandemic response by President Duterte's administration would actually affect uh, the candidates that he would be endorsing in 2022? Because again, President Duterte is not the candidate in 2022. Mm -hmm. It's true, he's not the candidate in 2022, hindi yung pangalan nila yung nasa balota. Pero palagay ko, Christian, uh, this will be a make or break issue uh, para sa mga kandidato o para sa slate ni Presidente. Totoo, as of this day, hindi pa 100% dumidikit kay Presidente yung accountability for this poor uh, and patchy pandemic response. But as the days go by, uh, no matter how hard this administration works para iligtas siya sa accountability, I think people will come closer and closer to that inevitable conclusion na kung sino ang pinaka nasa posisyon, pinaka may malaking kapangyarihan, pinaka may maraming resources para dapat sa pandemic response. That is none other than the president. Kaya ikanga the buck stops with him, the ultimate accountability lies with him. Kahit sa mga tao, mga alter ego niya, kahit yung IATF na kanyang inatasan to conduct this pandemic response. And the election, I believe, will also be some kind of a referendum sa overall performance ng kanyang administrasyon. At ano yung pinakamalaking issue na hinarap nito so far? Itong pandemic din. That, I think, will um, influence uh, the citizens' opinion kahit sa mga kandidato ni Presidente. Okay, now speaking of the Duterte administration's response to the pandemic, uh, one big issue, of course, is vaccination. Yes. If you ask them, they would say that, uh, of course, we have to deal with the slow uh, arrival of the vaccines because all over the world, that is a problem, vaccine mm -hmm. supply. But in this case, in the Philippines, they're trickling down. Uh, and uh, this is also affecting the rollout of the vaccines. But another issue affecting that, of course, is hesitancy regarding brand. What do you think of this new policy by the DOH the, not to announce anymore? whatever brand the vaccines that would be administered to, to people would be. Do you think this is a good idea to address vaccine hesitancy? Well, it doesn't address the issue of vaccine hesitancy head-on, Christian. And bagamat nire-respeto ko talaga matagal na si Yusek Kabutahe, nag-aalala lang ako na pag hindi alam ng ating mga kababayan what vaccine they are lining up for uh, in our LGUs, or sa mga health centers, baka lalong magdalawang uh, isip. Uh, lalo na sinabi naman ng IATF sa simula <clears throat> that they were working on various vaccine platforms dahil ayon mismo sa DOH at mga healthcare providers natin, different vaccines ang bagay sa iba't ibang sektor depende sa health status. So uh, I think uh, the DOH, the IATF will be hearing from the public uh, about this 
right on the ground Christian dun sa mga LGU vaccination sites uh, in the coming days. And there are other issues na kailang i-resolve din ng DOH regarding vaccine hesitancy. Kailangan pa rin ng isang malawak at a comprehensive na information campaign para i-equip ang bawat mamamayan to make that informed choice about being vaccinated. And syempre, yung walang kamatayan, hindi pa nare-resolve na ano ba talaga yung kwentong nangyari dyan sa Dengvaxia. That has to be laid to rest to the satisfaction of the public also para manumbalik yung pagtiwala ng Pilipino sa vaccination program. Yeah, a big part of uh, a big part of this of course is public messaging, especially coming yes. from the government, but again, uh, given the situation we are in now, can we afford to make cho- to choose whatever vaccines that would be administered to us? And that's of okay. course your president Duterte who can of course say that he prefers Sinopharm and other politicians. But I mean, for the general public given the realities. Mm-hmm. Well, the we afford to make choices. Yes, of course. And precisely, the other question is, uh, can we afford not to have a choice? Uh, nakikinig uh, din naman ako dun sa mensahe na the best vaccine is the one in our arm. And uh, to uh, or, or the one that is available. And to a certain degree, I would agree with that. Pero syempre, yung ibang mga kababayan natin, halimbawa may comorbidities o may particular na ibang demographics, baka may payo din sila nung kanilang uh, doktor or ibang healthcare worker about which vaccines are better or uh, not as good for them given their health status. So I think tamang balance sana ma-offer ng DOH at IATF sa ating mga mamamayan. The floor should be basic vaccine confidence and that mm-hmm. includes confidence sa ating mga health authorities na binibigay nila sa atin ang kompleto at tamang mga informasyon for our choice. And then a reasonable range of choices of vaccines Uh, kung saan makakahanap ang bawat Pilipino ng isa o ilan na alam niya, kampante siya, ay hiyang sa kanya uh, given his or her health status. So again, this goes back to public messaging that the DOH, for instance, needs to properly explain to the public which particular vaccines would work for specific parts of uh, demographics, right? Mm-hmm. Or, 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 or population for, for the elderly, for, for the general population, for instance, with no comorbidities. But don't you think also a big part of this is also affected by impressions that certain people are are getting favored when it comes to certain brands that uh, there are certain segments of the population that seem to get advantages as far as the rollout is concerned. And that's why Christian, dapat uh, tayong lahat, kaming lahat, ay dapat sumunod lang dun sa prioritization list na mismo ang DOH at IATF ay nag-draw up. So let's um, uh, wait our turn uh, till our particular vaccination group comes up. Let's keep pressing government to have to procure, uh, receive donations if there are any, but in larger part to procure the necessary vaccines for every uh, vaccination group, uh, beginning with completing the healthcare workers, going on to the senior citizens, those with comorbidities and others, including uh, indigent. So no one, no matter what sector should jump the line, uh, but let's press government to make those proper vaccines available for each group at the proper time. Okay, another issue that is expected to be a major campaign issue is the uh, Duterte administration's policy regarding China over the South China Sea, in particular the West Philippine Sea. Mm-hmm. Um, how addresses this, uh, this approach by President Duterte and is it wise for him to uh, designate a lone person who could speak about the issue 
in Secretary Roque. But afterward, uh, Chief Presidential Legal Counsel Salvador Panelo said that he was not covered by that ban. So given all these uh, <laughs> dynamics within his own house, within his own uh, a cabinet, <laughs> how does this, what does this say about his own policy? It says that uh, even his own closest uh, people, his own alter egos, are quarreling among themselves about who will express, who will articulate, maybe even who will formulate that policy. I have never seen before, Christian, uh, a presidential legal counsel saying, oops, hey, I should also be a spokesperson on this issue. Nauna nang nagsabi si Sec Loxin, kay Sec Roque, na I should be the only one speaking about this. And in the end, Christian, after all, the president is the chief architect of any of the country's foreign policy and his alter egos can and should only say no more or less what his own policy is as he has articulated it. So muli, as on the COVID uh, response, we look uh, ultimately to the president to take the proper stand vis-a-vis -vis China for Philippine interests in the this, West Philippine Sea. This interesting dynamics within his own cabinet, don't you think this is just a reflection of the president's own approach to the China issue? That he himself is quite, um, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. the, the approach is a mess. I mean, at least at the messaging, the messaging part. It's really a mess, Christian, and beyond the messaging part, which is clearly very messy, palagay ko maling-mali ang posisyon ni Presidente sa China at sa West Philippine Sea. And maybe, I, I can only guess as an outsider, maybe his own inner circle also have their own debates about the correctness, not only of their messaging, but uh, the content. I mean, we've heard much better proper positions from Sec Loxin, from Sec Lorenzana about Philippine interests in the West Philippine Sea vis-a-vis -vis China. The president seems to degrade uh, their statements by his repeated avowals of BFF niya ang China, ang China, ang in possession ng West Philippine Sea, uh, and his silence on really egregious actions by China katulad nitong kamakailan na fishing ban laban sa ating mga mangingisda sa West Philippine Sea. So the president's silence and then when he speaks, his very un-Filipino pronouncements about these issues, yun talaga ang malaking mess, uh, Christian. Rather than the uh, Hague ruling na sabi nila ay papel na dapat itapon sa basurahan, yung ganitong pananahimik at pagiging un-Filipino uh, sa kabila ng ginagawa ng China, yun ang basura at yun ang dapat itapon sa basurahan. Okay. Let's go to the 2022 elections. Um, it's still far away, but one way of looking at it is that the elections are quite near. That's why you see a lot of posturing coming from different uh, politicians, those who are perhaps eyeing certain positions. In the case of the opposition, um, do you think it will be able to come up with a unified slate? President, vice president, and all 12 senators, senatorial candidates. We can and we should. At yun ang intention namin. And beyond the opposition, Christian, palagay ko lumalawak yung section sa ating populasyon uh, of different colors or no color belonging to one camp or another or even no camp who are uh, sharing in common more and more 
ganitong mga issue na pinag-uusapan natin, you know, how are we going to survive this pandemic and move into a real new and better normal? Paano tayo aahon sa malalim na recession na ito and catch up, not just with the rest of the world, but with our own neighbors in the region? No? Paano tayo uh, makakarating at makakalampas sa election sa 2022 with better outcomes for our people? Again, across political divides. So palagay ko, Christian, uh, despite the very um, divisive nature of the conversations today, may namumuong uh, unities uh, simply because of the shared suffering, health sufferings, economic sufferings, sufferings of being bullied in our own ocean by a bigger, stronger uh, neighbor. So, And I'm hoping, therefore, Christian, uh, it's around these common issues that more and more Filipinos uh, can unite moving towards okay. 2022. By the way, just uh, just to set the record straight, what's your plan in 2022? Are you planning to seek re-election or yes. go for a different position? Oh, no, no. I will run for re-election to the Senate. Okay. Now, this this uh, shared suffering that you mentioned, do you think this is enough to make a difference for, for the opposition as far as the campaign is concerned compared to what happened in 2019 where, when the, the opposition slate was wiped out? Yes, it was. Uh, we have to learn our lessons from that loss. I've said it before, yung pagkatalong iyon, uh, despite the hostile environment, the, yung pagkatalong iyon was on us. That loss was on us. So we must harvest and learn and apply um, the lessons from there. And will the suffering be enough, uh, not just for the opposition, but for larger sections of Filipinos? Well, balikan lang natin yung mga nakaraang karanasan natin na pinakamasasakit, World War II, uh, the uh, martial law dictatorship, tapos ngayon. I think we Filipinos have shown that when we've gone through the worst of times, kahit pa nagkaroon tayo ng mga disunities among ourselves during those worst of times, uh, something has compelled us from within ourselves na uh, to reach out to each other, build unities where we can, yung mga unities that did not exist before, halimbawa, moving towards 2022, just that common desire for a different kind of a better administration. Palagay ko, if we learn still from our lessons from the past, kakayanin natin, Christian, and we by, must. By, by the way, are you part of the Isambayan Coalition? Well, my party, Akabayan, is participating in the Isambayan process. Yes. Okay. So since Akbayan, your party, is part of that, What do you think of this uh, move by former Senator Antonio Trillanes to declare his intention to run for president if Vice President Len Robredo won't go for that position? Who do you think basically would be the best candidate of the opposition for president in 2022? Well, first, I think uh, what Senator Sani did is within the processes being laid out uh, by Isambayan. So uh, I appreciate the Isambayan process kasi sila yung unang naglunsad niyang um, uh, search for some kind of a united front or broad coalition. At palagay ko, uh, nasa loob pa rin yan, nasa kontekstong iyan pa rin ginawa ni uh, former Senator Sunny. Now, who will turn out to be the best candidate uh, for the opposition, plus plus? And I say plus plus kasi hindi lang opposition, but more and more Filipinos. Well, I guess uh, the person who will uh, in the end throw his or her hat into the ring and rally uh, all of us 
around him or her for those common dreams no of okay. uh, moving into a better uh, new and better normal health wise economic wise mm. and uh, democracy wise to end this interview do you think that that should be vice president lender bredo who is the logical choice given her position the highest ranking opposition uh, politician in government now she is the logical choice, Christian. She is the choice of uh, many of our hearts. Uh, but I'm also still waiting uh, on her decision. And in the end, uh, sa politika, sa governance, tulad sa buhay, uh, we work with what we have. Uh, there are things we wish for. Uh, if they happen, you know, we will take the ball and run with it. If they don't materialize, we will work with what we have. Kasi uh, ang pinaka-importante pa rin ay yung pangarap natin. And for to realize that dream, uh, we work with whatever building blocks uh, or ingredients uh, that okay. we have and go for the best. Okay, and that's it for the program today. Well, thank you very much, um, Senator Riz Ontiveros, for joining thank us today. Thank you, Christian. That's it for our program today. I'm Christian Esguera. You can listen to our interviews again on the ANC Matters of Fact podcast available on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. You can also get other exclusive content on ANC's YouTube channel. Thank you for watching.